Hey guys, welcome back to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 9, starting with Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. We begin in verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his hometown, his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God. Who had given such authority to man. The first thing to notice in this short story of the paralyzed man getting healed is that it was that it was the faith of his friends that made Jesus notice. He says, When Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. That shows us in life that that our faith can affect other people. Just just praying for other people, going to God for other people, and trusting God that He will do these things for other people. That's proof right there. And so Jesus saying that He has, you know, the the power to forgive sins. It's very interesting. So basically, He's claiming that He's God right here, because who can forgive sins but God alone? But He goes on to prove this by the miracle. The miracle proves the claim. Notice in verse 8 it says, When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. This miracle had caused the people to give glory to God because he had given such authority to Jesus. His works of healing and forgiveness were signs that God's kingdom was dawning. We start in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. So Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. Tax collectors were especially despised by the people because of their widespread corruption. So, and Matthew gives no indication that he he knows about Jesus or has heard his preaching. But when Jesus called him, Matthew didn't hesitate. He immediately got up and followed him. Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So what we see here is that Matthew actually threw a party. He was excited and, and overjoyed to know this man named Jesus. And he wanted all of his other friends to come and know him also. That's a that's something that we should do. When we come and know Jesus, we are overjoyed by it. And we should invite our other friends to come and know him also. So we pick up in verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. These Pharisees could not understand why Jesus was eating with the kinds of people who were attending Matthew's party. 
Contact with sinners was forbidden by their laws. Jesus suggested that the Pharisees go and study Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, which reads, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. These Pharisees have become so intent on perfecting the keeping of their rituals, they neglected showing mercy to others. By Jesus talking to the outcasts of society, he was setting an example for his disciples. We should reevaluate regularly our efforts to reach those in need and those considered outcasts in our society because that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't go and sit with the quote-unquote righteous, the doctors and lawyers and teachers. He went and sat with the tax collectors and the sinners. Pick up in verse 14. Jesus questioned about fasting. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wineskin into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour the new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. See, Jesus had no objections to fasting, and at times he fasted himself, as you saw in Matthew 4, too. He believed, however, that a person should fast only when the occasion warranted it, and not as a mechanical ritual. And his answer provided an illustration of the fact that the existing religious structures of his day could not contain the new wine of his Gospels. He reinforced his point by illustrating the incompatibility of the old and the new ages. A person would be foolish to place an unshrunk patch of cloth in an old garment. It would pull and tear at the garment. Nor would someone put new wine into a brittle old wineskin. The fermenting of the wine eventually caused the wineskin to burst. A person should use new containers that are flexible. So Judaism's emphasis on legalism rituals was incompatible with Jesus' gospel. We pick up in verse 18. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue's leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away. The girl's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. So this synagogue leader, who we know from Mark and Luke to be named Jairus, was a man that believed strongly in, in Jesus' power over death. So he comes and humbly asks Jesus to lay his hands on her. And he knows that she will live. And so Jesus and his disciples, they go to Jairus' house with him. But on their way, a woman comes behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. 
This woman had been experiencing hemorrhaging for 12 years. She believed she could be healed if only she could touch Jesus' clothing. And Jesus turns around and looks at her and declares that her faith had brought her healing. That's pretty significant right there. That it was her faith that had brought her healing. We should have faith that God will heal us. And just the same way this woman's faith brought her healing, we too will be healed through our faith. See, it was not the cloak that had healed the woman, but it was Jesus in her faith. In life, we don't have to have perfect theology or, to be, or even be the perfect Christian. We just need faith, and God will acknowledge us. So Jesus finally makes it to Jairus' house, and then he, when he gets there, he orders the musicians and the, the professional mourners to leave. Because Jesus viewed this girl's death as only temporary. And taking this girl's hand, he lifted her up and brought her back to life. And the news of this spread everywhere. This proves that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We pick up in verse 27. Jesus heals the blind and the mute. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Jesus said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. In response to their faith, Jesus gave them their sight. Another proof that we need faith. It was their faith that made them well. Same as the woman who had the hemorrhaging. It was her faith that made her well. We continue in verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. What do these four miracles show us? They show us the relationship between faith and miracles. That when we have faith, it is our faith that makes us well, that heals us. We have faith in Christ, and we pray and say, God, heal me in this, or whatever it is. And you pray, and you, and you, and you have faith that God will do it, that He will take care of you. And that makes us righteous in His eyes, faith. And that gets him to notice us and acknowledge us and to bless us. Pick up in verse 35. The workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he says to, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the works are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus here had deep compassion for these crowds. He compared them to sheep without a shepherd and as a vast crop of ripe grain in need of harvesters. He decided it was time to send out laborers to gather the harvest. We should be praying that God would send out workers to spread the gospel. 
because the, the world longs for the hope of a Savior just like Jesus. They actually are longing for Jesus himself and don't even know it. So we should pray for that. And we ourselves should go out and proclaim the gospel, the, the, the good news to the world. Whether it's at your job, whether it's at the gym, whether it's at the gas station or just a passerby. We need to go out and tell the world about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Well, that's it for chapter 9 today, guys. It was pretty good. Uh, we learned that it is through faith. It is the faith that we have in Christ that makes us well. And it's something we need to hold on to. That Christ didn't come to call the righteous, but to call he came to call sinners like me and you. Yes, I am a sinner. And he came for me and for you. So we just need to remember that. It's not about being perfect. It's about faith. Faith in Christ that makes us well. Alright guys, well we'll pick up tomorrow in Matthew chapter 10. And that starts with Jesus sending out the 12. Well I'll see you then guys. Have a good night.